if we're not careful, somebody's actually going to think that we really do believe this Jesus <laughs> stuff because so many, I'll, I'll say this personal experience, Al, so many, it seems like, uh, go through the motions of maybe going to church, go through the motions of calling themselves Christians and believers, going through the motions of doing religious things without the life change that comes from it. Thinking about our identity in Christ and who we are as believers of Christ. What, what is our identity and do we live it out? Do people really see the difference that Jesus makes in our life? You know, if somebody asks, who are you? We can, we can pull, up, pull out our ID, our driver's license. We can show them uh, who we are that way. We can talk about our marital status, perhaps. We can talk about uh, our education level. We can talk about our family. We can talk about our job. Uh, we can talk about our team. Some of you today are talking a little louder about your team than mine, but that's okay too. All these things play into our identity, but what about our faith? What level does our faith, mine and yours, play into our identity? Well, we're working our way through the Gospel of John. Today we're on John chapter 15. We're looking at a picture of Jesus in each of these chapters. And, uh, and today, uh, Jesus is preparing his disciples it's the night before the cross. He's preparing his disciples for the cross, but not just for the cross, but also for the resurrection and for what's going to happen after that and how their lives are going to be changed. So he's spending this last night with his disciples, pouring into them so that they might better understand who Jesus is and so that they might better understand who they are, so that we might better understand who Jesus is and so that we might better understand who we are as followers of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so because he was pouring into them at that crucial moment to encourage them and instruct them, we would do well to pay attention to the words of Jesus because they certainly apply to us as well. Would you, would you stand with me this morning? This is uh, today the last of the seven I am sayings. As we've worked our way through the Gospel of John, we have, we've, we've talked about each of these seven I am sayings or statements of Jesus. And today, the last of those where Jesus declares of himself, he says, I am the true vine. John chapter 15, starting at verse number 1. Jesus uses the imagery of a grapevine to picture our relationship with with God. Starting at verse 1, the words are on the screen, or you have your Bible there in front of you. Jesus said, I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you're clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I want you to read verse 5 with me out loud. The words are on the screen. Would you do that? I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now leave that slide up. I want you to read that last line Again, out loud with me. Ready? For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6 says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. 
By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Our Heavenly Father, today we have nearly, not nearly enough time to share the wonderful truth that we find in this passage of Scripture. But in the limited time that we do have and the, the, the things that you've laid upon my heart to bring out, I pray they would be instructive to help us understand what your word says, but also motivational that your Holy Spirit would lead us not just to hear, but to be doers of the word that we might experience the joy of Christ that we've heard sung today, that we've just read about in the passage of Scripture, and that is available to all who call upon your name. We ask today that you do what only you can do, and that is to change our hearts, our minds, our lives, our homes, our jobs, our relationships for your glory so that we might be able to say to others, let me tell you what happened to me as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, please be seated. So, Today we're going to look at, at this fact, that because Jesus is the vine, because Jesus is the vine, that's the imagery he's using here, you and I can be connected to God through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let's take a few moments this morning and explore this analogy that Jesus gives and see what it means for us. Now, the outline today is very simple. I probably don't even have to say anything else, and you can fill in the blanks in your outline on your listening guide there on the back of your worship folder. But, but let's kind of, I want to give you some, some, some things to flesh out uh, exactly what, what, the, what the outline is today. For example, the first point I want you to notice is that Jesus is the vine. This is the imagery that he uses. In verse number one, and again in verse number five, Jesus says, I am the vine, I am the true vine. He's identifying himself with this picture and with this analogy. And so, so we, uh, uh, we see here that there are five actions of the vine that are, that are laid out for us in this analogy about Jesus. As the vine, there are five actions that Jesus takes towards us that we would do well to, to, uh, to pay attention to and to incorporate into our lives. I'm going to be all too brief, so bear with me a little bit. Uh, the, the first action is he connects with us. Jesus connects with us. Listen to what he says in verse 2. Every branch in me. It's not just every branch out there, but the ones that are in him. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Here's the, here's the, the imagery. We connect to Jesus. Jesus connects to us in this picture of the vine and the branches. So there's the connection point. The, the second action we see is that Jesus communicates with us. He communicates with us. Notice verse 3. Already he says... You're clean. If you're clean today, say amen. He says, you're clean, not because of anything we've done to get there, but he says, you're clean because of the word I have spoken to you. It is in the, in the act of communication, in the method of communication, that Jesus communicates with us so that the result is we are clean and cleansed from our sin. Notice again verse 11. These things... Have I spoken to you? He's talking about all throughout his ministry, 
And also on this night, the night before the, the, the crucifixion the next day, these things have I what? Spoken to you. He's communicating uh, these words. He, he spoke to them during his continual presence with them all throughout the ministry of over three years. Jesus is talking to them so that they might better understand. We also see here that, that he communicates uh, through the activities that he had accomplished, the miracles he had performed. Al mentioned one of those, the healing of the man born blind. There's the turning of the water into wine. There's the calming of the storm. There's the feeding of the 5,000. All of these outward events and miracles are also uh, activities that Jesus uses to communicate with his followers and to speak words into them. He spoke words to them as he trained them, as he taught them, as he prepared them. He talked to them about who he is as the Savior, the Son of God. He talked to them about who they are as, as followers and how they are totally dependent on God as illustrated here in the, in the imagery of the vine and the branch. He talked to them about the purpose of life and he talked to them about the, 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 the presence of joy. Well, the third action of, of the vine is that he empowers us. It's a beautiful thing to know that it is Jesus who empowers us. Notice verse 5, whoever abides in me and I in him he it is that bears much fruit. And notice this, we read it together. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Not only are we totally dependent on him for everything, but with him we can accomplish and we can bear much fruit. We'll talk about that more in just, just a few moments. He empowers us to bear fruit, and he empowers us to do anything and everything that he has called us to do. I want you to notice, fourthly, he loves us. Isn't that good to know? He loves us. Would you say that with me? He loves us. He loves me personally. He loves you personally. He loves every person in the whole world. He loves. Notice verse number nine is the father has loved me. So have I loved you. Think about how the father loves the son. He didn't just say, well, you know, son, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you. Go do a good job. He didn't, he didn't just say, well, you know, son, if I, I love you a little bit, you know, how you doing today? I love you a little bit today. You may ever say that to the kids. How much did the father love the son with everything he had? The father loves the son with an all-in kind of love, with an everything-I've-got kind of love. And it is that love that the father shared with the son that is the kind of love that the son has shared with us. For God so loved the world that he gave his son, and the son so loved the world that he gave his own life so that you and I might be saved, saved, saved and made right with God. The fifth action he takes is that he sets an example for us. If we want to know how to live our lives, we can look at Peter, we can look at Paul, we can look at Mary. That sounds like a singing group, doesn't it? We can look at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We can look at all these pillars of the faith in the Bible. But if we really want to know how to live to please God and an example to follow, Jesus sets that example. Verse number 10 Jesus says, I've kept my Father's commandments. I've done what God has called me to do. I have been faithful to God. And so we see here that, that Jesus, as, as, the, as the vine, uh, carries these actions out so that you and I can know how we are rightly related to God. Well, I want to move on quickly, all too quickly, to the second point of this analogy. Not only that Jesus is the vine, but that God the Father is the vine dresser. The vine dresser, the one who tends to the vine. And that, that's who that is. In, in verse 1, Jesus begins by saying, My father is the vine dresser. In the, in the analogy, God is the one who is tending the vine, 
tending the branches, working towards producing the fruit. That's who God is. That's what God does. And in that day, they knew very clearly what Jesus was talking about because there were vineyards everywhere. The vineyard along with the lamb and the sheep and the shepherds. And, and there were several things that, that Jesus didn't have to explain the analogy to the people. He was using what they already knew. Now, we don't know that much about vineyards. I don't anyway. But there's a couple of things that are important for us to know. One is that the, 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 vin, the vine dresser was in charge of caring for the branches. And the health of the vines is in the hands of the vine dresser. A vine dresser who knows what he's doing and does the right thing can multiply the health of the vines and multiply the harvest. So a good vine dresser is a very important commodity to have if you own some vineyards. You, you want a good vine dresser. A bad vine dresser, on the other hand, with, 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 just, with just a few wrong decisions can not only reduce the crop and the yield and the quality, a bad vine dresser can kill the vines. It's important to have the right vine dresser. Jesus says, my father is the vine dresser. Well, how much better can you get? You can't. So God is the vine dresser. I want you to notice here that there, there are only two kinds of branches that are identified. So there's the vine. You know the picture. The, the, there's the vine, and out of the vine come the branches. And there's two kinds of branches that are identified here. There's the fruitful uh, branch, the one that produces fruit. There's the unfruitful branch, the one that does not produce fruit. So, so there's three things I want you to notice here about what, what the father does as the vine dresser. On the one hand, we see he removes the fruitless. If there is a branch that does not bear fruit, he removes that branch. Verse number two, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, that's my father, the vine dresser, that's God, he takes away or removes. It gets it. If you're a vine dresser, it gets the, the unproductive branch out of the way and it makes way for others to come in and to be fruitful. So, uh, so, so that he removes the fruitless. Secondly, he prunes the fruitful. If, 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 you are a, if, if there's a branch that is producing, the vine dresser is still going to prune that branch in order to make it even more fruitful. The vine dresser prunes in two different ways. On the one hand... He'll notice a spot on the branch that maybe is a dead spot. It, it, it's, it's corrupted. There's, a bug has gotten in or a section of it has died. And, and so in order to preserve the life of that branch, he's going to cut that dead part out. But another way that the vine dresser prunes is that he knows he's been trained. He has a, a good enough eye so that if, there, if there's a section of that branch that is producing fruit, but by his experience he knows that if he can cut this part off and that part out, part, parts that are good, parts that are viable, even parts that are producing grapes, he, but he says out of his experience and knowledge, if I trim off even some of the good part, it will help the future to be more grapes and more quality, more quantity and more quality. So a good vine dresser is going to do that. So he removes the fruitless, he prunes the fruitful so that there might be better quantity and better quality. The third thing I want you to notice about the vine dresser, this is so important, is that he receives the glory. The vine dresser is the one who receives the glory. There's nothing in this story that gives glory to the branch. Remember what Jesus said? He said, I'm the vine, and you, that's us, you are the what? Now we'll get there in just a second. 
But understand that the, the, the purpose of the story, to instruct, to share, to help us better understand, there, there's nothing about the branch that brings glory to the branch. The glory goes to the, the vine dresser. That's God, the Father. Verse number 8 says, By this my Father is glorified, that you, the branch, bear much fruit. That's how the Father is glorified, is that you as the vine, the branch, would bear much fruit. On your, on your bulletin, if you got your bulletin, I want you to look in the, on the order of service page up at the very top left. It's in here every single week. I hope you'll read it, and I hope it won't just become something that, that you just kind of get used to and neglect and, and fail to, to consider. But every single week, we need to be mindful why we exist as a church. And in a minute, we'll talk about what it means to be the branch, but recognize that, that our church, any church, does not exist to glorify the branches. It's not about the branches. It's not about you, and it's not about me. But it's all about giving glory to God. That's why I think our mission statement is so on target with the Scripture. You see it on the page here, our mission. Would you read it with me? To glorify God by leading people to follow Jesus. To glorify the vine dresser by being productive branches. That's how we could say our mission statement in that regard. So God the Father is the vine dresser. Now, the third part of, of the message I want to get to and hopefully spend the most amount of time here, and that is that Christians are the branches. We as Christians, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you and I are different branches on the vine that is Jesus, and God the Father is the vine dresser that inspects the branches and either pulls them away because they're unfruitful or prunes them because they are fruitful. I want you to notice a couple of things about, about branches. Verse number 5, Jesus says this way, you are the branches. He makes it clear. You and I are these branches coming off of the vine. So let's talk about branches just for a quick moment. Branches are connected to the vine. There, there's a, a connection point. You see it on every kind of tree, every kind of vine, every kind of plant. There's a main trunk, and out of that come the branches. In the same way, you and I are, have a connection point to Jesus. He is the vine, and we are the branches. Branch, uh, branches share in the life that comes from the vine. The life does not come from the branch. The branch receives the life that comes from the vine. And also notice that branches are completely dependent on the vine for nourishment and for growth. If the vine is bad, the branch will wither and die. If the vine is good and the branch is plugged in, then the branch will flourish. Also notice this. Branches exist for one purpose on a grapevine. That's the, that's the analogy. Branches exist for one purpose. You know what that purpose is? Say it out loud if you know. Bear fruit. For to bear fruit. Branches exist for one purpose and one purpose only, to bear fruit. Now the key word here is the word abide. Jot that down in your notes. If you, have, if you haven't written any other no, word down in your notes, write that word down. Abide. I-B-I-D-E. Abide. This word is used 11 times in these 11 verses. It is the key word that relates to you and I in our relationship with God through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're called to abide, as it says in verse 4, abide in me and I in you is what Jesus says. Abide. Grow. Together, The word abide literally means a union and a communion. A union being that there's an attachment 
and a communion, meaning that there is interaction back and forth between the way a branch is connected to a vine. So, so there's got to be both of those things in order to have life, to have health, and to bear fruit. And without abiding, without this union and communion between a branch and a vine, between us and Christ, without that abiding, there is no life and there is no fruit. So what does it mean to abide in Christ? Well, as a believer, as a person, the, the analogy, the application of the analogy would simply be this, that I become a branch connected to the vine when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That conversion experience is what connects me to the vine. And then out of that, if I'm going to flourish as a branch, I'm going to have communion with the vine. I'm going to have communion with Jesus. So after I've established my relationship with him by putting my faith and my trust in Christ, I'm going to, I'm going to worship. And, and when I come to worship, I'm, I'm going to do more than just occupy a, a, a seat in, in a worship center. Al, you've heard this before. We sang that song today, Standing on the Promises. I love that song. And I heard somebody say one time, we have to question ourselves as Christians. Are we standing on the promises or are we sitting on the premises? We have to decide. Because <laughs> you can look the same, but there's two very different ways to go about it. Standing on the promises of God, which means you're applying them to your life as you worship him, or sitting on the premises, just taking up space and occupying space in that regard. We, we abide in Christ when we take his word and we make it a part of the nourishment just as we all have physical nourishment needs and we, we take in that physical nourishment every single day whether it's fluid or whether it's solid food whatever it is we take it in and it nourishes our body in the same way spiritually we need God's word regularly, daily that it might come in and nourish us and help us to grow closer to Christ. Likewise there's prayer. Spending time with God in prayer will, will help us to be nourished in our faith and to be able to abide in him. There's, there's finding your avenue of service and doing that thing that you do that God has called you and equipped you and gifted you to do. I know a few minutes ago, I thought about this when I walked up here, that, that while the choir was singing out, somewhere in, in there towards the end, I stood up and started clapping. I, I, stood, I just, I just, I just, I, did y'all feel that this morning? Wasn't that good? Wasn't that good by the choir? And I knew about four people behind me were about to faint. They thought I was going to go up and sing in the choir with, with the choir. But I'm telling you, I stood up and clapped because my role in worship is to stand down in the congregation and to throw my amen out, to clap my hands. When everybody else is singing, my role is to sing, but I'm not going to be in the choir. And the guys up in the sound booth, they know my standing rule. If my voice ever comes through the sound system while I am singing, someone is going to die. Do you know why? Because my role is not to stand up and vocally sing solos. I just not, that's not how I've been. I love to do that. I love to sing, but that's not, that's not my purpose. That's not my area of service. Aren't you thankful that it is so many others' area of service here at Ridgecrest Baptist Church? My goal, my role, find my area of service and give it to the Lord and use it for His glory. For some, it's singing. For some, it's preaching or teaching. For some, it's preschool ministry or youth ministry or, or, or working in the, in the grounds and helping our grounds be beautified, which we've been doing the last week or so with some great uh, springtime uh, uh, visuals that we have around. But any, what, what is your area? Find that and plug in and use it for God's glory. So let me spend just a, a few minutes. I see my, my time is quickly passing. That's the introduction. I'm going to share the message with you now. So, so we're the branches. 
And the key word is abide. And in this passage, there are eight results of abiding. If you and I are abiding in Christ, we have that union through faith, that communion through abiding and growing in our faith. There are eight results that are going to come from that. Let me walk through them with you if I can. Result number one, we see in verse two, that is pruning. If you and I are, are followers of Jesus Christ, we are going to be pruned. God is going to cut some things out of our lives because we, because we are bearing fruit. Verse two, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. If you are a fruitful Christian, God is still going to cut some things out of your life. It might be some, some things that are causing spiritual death in your life. Not that you'll spiritually die and be pulled away from your faith in Christ. Not, not that, but, but things that will cause spiritual death in, in, in your communion with God. You ever, you ever seen like a sick plant? It's still alive, but, but there's some dead spots in there that are really hurting it. In the same way that vine dresser is going to address that, that dead spot on that branch. The branch is still alive, but that dead spot needs to come out so that the branch can flourish. God is going to do that in your life and in my life. Well, what are some things, Pastor Mark, that, that, that God would be, would, would be pruning uh, out of my life? It, it, it might be something like related to my character. It, it might be something related to, to my speech. It might be something related to my actions. It might be something related to my schedule. Maybe there's something early in the morning that I'm doing that's holding me back from doing what God wants me to do. And so, so God is working to prune those things out, and he does this continually. And the best results come when we cooperate and not fight against God. There are those times, I'm, I'm just going, I'm, Al, I'm just going to be honest this morning. There are those times in my life where God has been working to prune something out of my life. I fought him. I didn't want to give it up. God's trying to work to, to get it out of my life. In the same way, sometimes we, uh, we can fight against him or we can cooperate with him. Let me tell you about the value of pruning. If you look, you got your Bible open. Look at verse 2, verse 5, and verse 8. There's a progression of fruitfulness. And notice, notice the phrasing here. Verse 2, verse 5, and verse 8. It goes from no fruit to fruit to more fruit to much fruit. And do you know what God wants to to, to, to bring about in our lives? Much fruit. Much fruit. And much fruit does not always mean the most public numbers. Sometimes it is the most private uh, situations in our heart and our life that's pleasing to Him. So it's not, it's not necessarily the outward appears. It's not my place to look at your life and say you're being fruitful or you're not being fruitful because God may be working in your life in wonderfully fruitful ways and nobody else sees it necessarily. There are other times when you see a lot of outward fruit. Now, I'll, I'll tell you this from personal experience, just thinking through this. Being pruned by God is not always pleasant. Can I get a witness to that this morning? It's not always pleasant. Sometimes it is. It's not always pleasant. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes God's pruning is painful. Always God's pruning is productive. And so when we find ourselves going through those seasons, those circumstances, those experiences, and, and in our, our union and communion with God, we recognize He is taking me through a season of pruning, then it will help everything to fall into place and us to better understand that this is going to be productive for the kingdom, productive for the fruit that I'm able to, 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 to give to God. And so I can accept it knowing that it's going to be useful in the hands of the vine dresser. How does God prune? What, is, what does his tools look like? 
How does it impact us, and where in our lives does it impact us? Let me tell you a couple of ways that God prunes. One way is that he prunes us using his word. That's why it's so important to be nourished by the word, to stay in the word, to read the word, to meditate on the word, to sing the word, all, all the different things you can do with the word of God. It's so important because God uses that word to prune in our lives. We might be reading through, for example, the book of Proverbs, which, which is a, a fascinating book. I've been, I've been reading through that. I try to read it very regularly. But in the book of Proverbs, it, it, it tells us and gives us some things to help us better understand. In fact, one of my favorite verses is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your steps. Which means to me, in essence, don't trust myself, trust him, and he'll take me down the right path. And sometimes it might not look like the right path. Sometimes it might look like there's eight paths. I don't know which one to choose. What do I do? I trust God and not myself. And so he uses his word to prune my life to help me choose the right way. Sometimes he uses conviction. I hate conviction. Can I just tell you that? Isn't that? There's this, see, I'm, I'm, I'm going this direction and I'm happy. Going this direction. All of a sudden I have a conviction. That's not the direction he wants me to go. Well, I'm upset about that. But he wants me to go in this direction. I don't want to go in that direction. But I have a conviction to do something different than what I am doing and start doing something I'm not doing now. His conviction whether it's something in my heart or life or the direction of my life, may not be the most pleasant thing. But let me tell you, we should thank God every day for conviction. The conviction of sin so that we might turn away from it. The conviction to go in this direction when we were not going there to start with. The conviction to go in that direction when we had no intention. And because of that convicting presence of His Spirit, He leads us and He prunes us. Another, another way that God prunes us is in our circumstances. I won't go into detail, but recently I was talking to a, to a person connected with Ridgecrest Baptist Church. The loss of a job and the financial strain it put on the family has led this person to a renewed relationship with God and a new direction and a new path in life to where they can now say, praise God that I lost my job because he was pruning me and preparing me to go forward in a new direction. That's an amazing thing, but it's not a pleasant thing. Sometimes he prunes us using church, a worship service, something that the choir sings, a testimony, a passage of scripture, a message. Sometimes he uses a Sunday school connect group and a study that you're going through. But something about being in a church, being a part of a church family, being, being with the other branches has a way for God to prune us and make us what we need to be. Sometimes it's the words of others. <laughs> There's people I know I can go to and I can say, listen, here's what's happening in my life. Give me some feedback. Be careful when you do that. You go to somebody that you love, somebody that you trust. And I've been to people before and I've said, listen, here's what's going on in my life. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I think I ought to do. And, and I've had people that I love and trust tell me, no, you're wrong. And God has used that person to redirect my steps. And so, so this, these things I've mentioned and many more things, these are ways that God prunes our life to bring about, to cut out the dead spots but also to cut out even good spots and even better spots in our life so that he might bring about the best fruit production in our lives. Well, that's the, that's the first result. Time is flying. I'm going to give you the, the rest of them all too quickly. The next is fruit bearing. Verse 4 and 5, 
As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Scripture talks about fruit. Let me give you a few, a few references. There's the fruit of sanctification that we see in Romans 6.22. Romans 6.22, the fruit of sanctification. There's the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. There's, uh, the, in, in Colossians 1.10, it says we will bear fruit in every good work. In Hebrews 13, verse 15, there's the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. I love that. In Romans 1.13, it talks about the harvest of winning others to Christ and bringing them to faith. So there's the, the fruit bearing that comes from the pruning. Let me give you, uh, from, from abiding in Christ. There, there's, a, there's a third uh, uh, result of, of, uh, of abiding in Christ. That is answered prayer. Anybody want to have their prayers answered? Anybody want, just like to have your prayers answered? You know, does God answer everything we throw up at Him? No. So how can we put ourselves in position for God to answer our prayers the way that we pray them? That is, if we learn to pray the prayers that God wants to hear. How does that happen? Two requirements that we see here. Verse number 7. If, first of all, you abide in me. Keep that union and that communion open and growing and being nourished. If you abide in me, then secondly, if my word abides in you. The word of God is coming in and the word of God is directing and shaping our life. When we do that, then we will start to pray prayers that God wants to answer, and so we will pray what God wants to hear. We'll pray according to the will of God that He wants to establish in our lives, and we'll find our prayers being answered, but it's not the prayers that we would normally pray ourselves. We learn out of that communion that, we're, that we are praying according to His good and perfect will. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. There's a, a fourth result of abiding. Verse 8, there's glory to God. By this bearing much fruit, my Father is glorified. The glory of God will be evident in your life. Then the glory of God becomes evident through your life. What a beautiful picture that is. All too quickly, number five, the result of abiding is a testimony. People will know that you are a follower of Jesus Christ when you spend the time, invest the effort and allow the change that comes from Jesus. They will know because you are abiding. You are bearing fruit. Verse 8 again. When you're bearing fruit, you prove to be my disciples. The different kinds of fruit that have already been mentioned here. The sixth result of abiding is love. Don't you love love? I love love. I love being in love. I love expressing love. I love receiving love. Love is a good thing. Amen? If you love love, say, I love love. It's a good thing. Notice verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. The all-encompassing salvation, sacrificial, all-in kind of love. And then Jesus says this. The Father's loved me that way. I've loved you that way. Then he says, abide, union and communion. Abide in my love. Stay in that love so that whatever happens, whatever comes in the love relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Number seven, the result is obedience. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. 
So I want to stay in the love of Christ. How do I do that? I do what he says. There's some things that he says to do. that They're easy, and I love it, and it brings blessing. It's a great thing. There are other commandments that Jesus gives that I find a little more difficult. And there are some commandments that Jesus gives that are just downright hard and unpleasant. If I want to abide in his love and receive the results of abiding in him, then I will do those things even when they're not pleasant. I will do those things even when I have to humble myself. I will do those things even when it's inconvenient. Karen, I'm going to tell you something. Last night I got the word from Joe. We're starting at 7 o'clock in the morning. I got the word from Joe. And we got in last night to see that baby. You were still up there, I know. About 10 o'clock. It was not convenient for me and Pam to be at the hospital at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night. I got stuff I got to do. I don't get a good, sermons don't come online until about 11, 10, 15. I got to be at home <laughs> and get a good sermon. Now, we were at the hospital. Let me tell you two reasons why. One, a command of Christ to be the pastor. But secondly, we love Joe and Katie. There's nowhere else we would have been. But it's part of following the commands of, of, of Christ that sometimes just gets inconvenient. Nobody asked. Katie didn't call me and say, is this a good day to have my baby? Joe was, Joe, was, Joe was out of town. It was not a convenient time. But when things happen, you do what you have to do. You do what God commands you to do, and you receive the blessings of it in response. And lastly, the results of abiding is joy. Joy. There's nothing like joy. Verse 11, These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Happiness depends on happenings or things on the outside. Joy is what's happening on the inside. Not because you got to pay a good pay increase, not because uh, you, you, this happened or that happened, it's all good. No, the joy comes even when the bottom falls out because you're rightly related to God through faith in Jesus Christ. And no matter what happens on the outside, there is a joy on the inside that words cannot express. That's what he's talking about here. That his joy the joy of salvation, the joy of eternal life, the joy of being connected, of being in union and having communion, that joy might be in us. What a blessing. He holds nothing back that we might be rightly related to him. There's so much more to say. We're out of time this morning. It seems like I get this way every week, Al. I don't know what it is. But I want to ask you, would you bow your head and close your eyes? In just a moment, Al's going to lead us. I want to sing a song. But I'm going to ask you this morning, what kind of a branch are you? What kind of a branch are you? You know, Jesus speaks here of branches that are cut off and thrown in the fire. He's not talking about Christians. He's talking about people that never were Christians. They never had that life. They never had that abiding. They're not bearing fruit because they're not connected to, to the vine in, in any point. They never were. Maybe you're here today and you've never connected to the vine. You've never connected to God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And today I would invite you right where you sit just to in your heart express that to God and say, Lord, today I want to be connected to you. I'll express I have faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died for my sins, was buried and raised on the third day. Lord, come into my life. Save me from my sins and set me free to abide in you to bear fruit, and to go to heaven.
that's your prayer today in just a few moments. As we sing, as our service dismisses, find somebody. Find Al or Rodney or me or one of our deacons like Bobby or anybody else who can help you along the path. But you're here today and, and you say, Pastor Mark, I want, to, I want to abide. I really want to abide in Jesus. I really want that union to be a priority in my life. I really want that communion, that time with Christ to be real in my life. You they say, Pastor Mark, I really want to bear fruit. I want to bear a good quality of fruit that brings glory to God. And I want to bear a quantity of fruit that brings glory to God. In just a moment, I'm going to, I'm going to ask everybody to stand in just a moment. But before, before I ask everybody to stand, this is just for you, not for me, not for everybody else to look around and see. But you're here and you say, Pastor Mark, I just, I, for myself, I just I want to abide and I want to bear fruit. And just before everybody stands, if that's your prayer today, would you just stand now? Just go ahead and stand up right where you are. I want to abide and I want to bear fruit. I want that to be the, I want my life to reflect all that God has. This is just for you, not for me. Or I'm not counting. We're not taking names. Just for you, Lord, I want my life to abide and I want to bear fruit. I invite you to everybody else, if you're not standing, just go ahead and stand now. So our Heavenly Father, we pray and we ask that you would continue to work in our hearts and lives and help us to remember that you're at work in every branch. Those that are fruitless and have never been connected to you, Lord, they're judged and thrown in the fire according to your word. Lord, those of us who are branches connected to the vine, you're pruning us at all times. Make us, Lord, fruitful for your kingdom. Help us, Lord, to be able to sing with the choir, now I'm on my way. And to take that sentiment outside the walls of the church and into our homes and our community and our schools and our jobs. All for your glory. And even now, Lord, as we sing, may we respond to you in faith and obedience with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.